0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Illuminate, a podcast series from Hope Fellowship Church where we share stories to inspire growth and encourage engagement in our community. I'm Hannah Bowen, I'm the Worship Arts Coordinator here at Hope, and I'm co-hosted by our College and Connection Group Pastor, Nathan Beer. Today we're joined by our Lead Pastor, Mark Gaskew, for the second part of our conversation on Faith and Emotions. Today, we take a deep dive looking into the interplay between gender and our emotions, how that affects, how it doesn't affect the way that we experience the world.
1: How does gender influence our emotional responses? Because it absolutely does. Um, and I think it's not an equal or, or it's not a more or less. It is a, it is an equal, I think.
2: It's an equal. Yeah. 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 Um, let me say something about Christ and, and then, and then, and then, it, this is a lot, right? This is, this is amazing. Yeah, this is really good stuff. And, and, and that is being fully God and fully man is a concept that we can't really wrap our human minds around. So it's the things like Deuteronomy said that some things are revealed to us and then other things are not, but yet we trust God for both. And the reality is the incarnation is impossible for us to understand completely, but yet to embrace in faith, absolutely. And, and why, was, why was Christ fully God, fully man? Not 50-50, but 100% of both, yes. Okay. And, and some people say, well, it was so that he would, he would experience the pain, yes. And, and I think that that's part of the truth of that. Experience the temptations, yes, absolutely. But if I were to say, and I, maybe you go out here on a, a stretch for a moment, then I think even more than that, that, that he experienced and modeled every emotion that we have. Every emotion that we have. And he, did, like you said, he displayed those things. Why would he display those things? And then why would he allow the writers of the text, of the gospels, to write them in there? He, they put them in there. you know. John being the emotional writer that he was was very good at that. And and so why? Because he models that for us. He model not just for men, but for women, he models that for all of us that we are emotional beings and our emotions are not to be hid, but yet they're also not to be the leading factor of our life. They they really are in in our study of the book of first Peter and I went on a limb and, and I and I said that women were more emotionally sensitive than men. I did. And I said, you know, first of all, don't get sideways on the word emotional, but just hang on with me for a moment in that discussion. And and in that discussion, what I tried to make, I think, is to a point is to dispel this concept that we have of gender and emotion. And and that is that, first of all, to to be sensitive if that's an emotion, to be sensitive is not a negative thing at all. Yeah. In, in fact, it should be something that crosses gender lines to where we should all be very sensitive in that of discerning things spiritually in life, to, to understanding people's motivations when they come to us for certain things in life and that kind of thing. But what we have done, we have taken uh, definitions of those words that have been given to us by culture and we have even Christians begin to live by those things, and and so we redefine things that really God would show us to be very positive within our life emotionally, and we have redefined those things to become something very negative. I, I think, within, within that, and, and so to be sensitive, if that's an emotional response or an emotion in your life, to be sensitive to something is not a negative thing at all. It's not. You know, when Jesus was standing before the crowd that he fed that day with the, the, the child's lunch of fish and loaves of bread, the Bible says that he was sensitive to their hunger. He felt within his own stomach their hunger. His sensitivity for life and people was so great that he didn't have to be told they needed lunch; he knew that within his life. Why should we think that we, when we are sensitive emotionally, and we sense things in people's life, that somehow for us to be sensitive is a weakness? Uh, that because the world has taught us that, or I would even bring it more home to us. I think many times that teaching has been brought to us in the church.
1: Yeah, I think it's a. I I I agree. I think it's a mixture of both and. Once again, going off of my immediate context with me and Cassie, even just having our conversations of how much nurture plays into it as well as nature. It's kind of the both. Is it nature sure. or nurture? It's both because she was raised in a household where she had two brothers and I was raised in a house where I had three older sisters. We're going to be different people. Uh, and and sure. also because I was raised with a lot of female influences in my life because my, my dad, I mean, he was very present. He was a great father, is a great father. Um, but I still, is I always say, I had four moms. That's always what I say, because it was really true. I had, I had four moms. I had four really strong female influences in my life. And Cassie, though, on the other side, had two really strong male influences in her life. And so that has kind of shifted our, um, I guess, what the normal uh, male response and the normal female response, if you're going off of let's just look at a stereotypical response to thing are swapped. You know, We joke that I'm the woman and she's the man, um, <laughs> right? Uh, and it's funny. And I used to be so ashamed of that, yeah. right? And then I just realized there's nothing to be... A, we It's no. just giftings. It's how God has created me. And it's right. also how God inspired my parents and her parents to raise the both of us. And it makes us a really fantastic team. And I'm really grateful that I found her because if I would have married anyone else who is anything close to being like me, it would be a train wreck. Um, and Cassie really is that the logical thinker, and I'm the emotional thinker in the relationship. And as I've grown in Christ, I've started to see both of our uh, emotions start to level out, if that makes sense. And I think that that is – I think the more that – I mean, if we're becoming more rooted in Christ and we're dwelling more on him, then we should start to embody more of his emotions and so that I think that starts to bring bridge the gap of male and female emotions closer together because like you said, Jesus' emotions were not just being portrayed for men. Yeah. they were being portrayed for all of mankind, both men and women. And so while there will still be distinct uh, characteristics because God has created us both uniquely male and female, I think it starts to bridge that gap to where we understand that sensitivity is that both uh, genders. Both two genders should be experiencing, and and I think that yeah, and I I think that that's an important point to make because I think in my conversations with people in the church, and if you're a man listening or if you're a woman listening, maybe you have been in those situations, and maybe you're dealing with that struggle right now because I think it is way more prevalent than we think, and I think the shame, the shame that I felt because you know somebody said you have a lot of woman characteristics. I mean, that was one of the most embarrassing. I remember feeling so much shame from that. And and as I've started to grow from that, though, and recognize, like, well, one, who cares what they said about that? Because that's how God created me, and and I'm secure in my sexuality and everything like that. But at the same time, the shame was real. I, I mean, the embarrassment was real. I remember feeling just so embarrassed. You know, I have these friends who love to hunt. Um, And they love to do all these, quote-unquote, manly things. And and I was over here like, you know, hunting sounds fun, but I don't want to do it every single weekend. Um, And, uh, you know, certain things sound fun, but I don't want to do that every single day. And that's not really where my hobbies and my joys are. I love to read. Um, Not a lot of my guy friends like to read, and they always thought I was weird for reading so much. Um, But I think that there are people in just my conversations with people who are coming to Hope Fellowship alone um, who are experiencing that right now and who are experiencing that embarrassment or that shame. And so because of that, they're not really letting their full identity be placed in Christ because they're still hiding things from him because they're hiding things from others, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. And uh, yeah, I think it's nature, nurture, it's the church, it's how they were raised. There's so many different factors going into yes, that. Right. Looking at my own life, there were so many different factors. I had great parents who raised me, I think, in an incredible way. Uh, and so I don't know if it was their influence, if it was the influence of the people at the churches that I was at, or if it was, I don't know. Uh, probably my sister's fault. I'm going to blame it on all three of my sisters. Um, Lydia, Grace, and Ellen. Yeah, that's I hope on you. Uh, <laughs> I hope you guys are listening. <laughs> <laughs> <Not> no, <anymore>. <laughs> but <laughs> not anymore. But, but, yeah, I mean, Hannah, what's, what's been your experience? Uh, I'm
0: just... Yeah, I'm kind of sitting here taking it all in, processing. Um, I think it's interesting because I feel like I've ended up in a similar place Place, but for different reasons. Uh, not necessarily because you know you as a man like have the standards set before you. That's like this is the cookie cutter that every man needs to look and act like. Um, I think I've seen um, you know the way women are typically portrayed and thought about, um, and just like the hurtful undertones whenever the emotionality of women is talked about, um, and just how negative that is it um just it's never in a positive light and so for me I've tried really hard to like shift myself away from that and like push down those emotions because like they're viewed as negative I'm gonna have more authority if I'm not crying like, <laughs> so, like it's fine and so I've, I've I've only like really heard those emotions portrayed in a, a negative light and so for me like listening to this um I'm just challenging myself like I I don't think I've ever celebrated my emotions as a gift from God um and just how um much more freeing it would be if I when I experienced those things thanked God for them and not let them you know quote-unquote get the better of me but just kind of celebrated that they're there and and what what benefit that brings that I you know am sensitive to other people I um I think I'm a very, uh, I'm a big empath. Um, so if someone talks about feeling sick, like I start feeling sick, or if I see someone crying, like I start crying. Um, and I've always felt bad about that and like tried to to not do that for whatever, no good reason. Um, but just kind of seeing the value that that's brought in um, being able to, experience life with someone else that I can experience their emotions and really come alongside them with what they're feeling and like maybe take some of that weight off and um what a blessing that can be instead of something to just try and undo in my life so
2: yeah very good I (laughs) (laughs) that's good I think that's important that you you say that, and I think in a world we live in, um, somehow we, we have created this, this view of emotions as somehow a role in gender. And, and what I realize is that it's not true at all that men and women, we, we, we have the same feelings. We really do. We might process them differently because culture says we process should process them differently. That doesn't make that right either. That, that we ha- we really have the same feelings and same emotions, you know. Um, and there, there's some crazy things that, that we have been taught, whether, like Nathan said, whether it's nature or nurture, and I'm going to talk about that for a little bit this Sunday morning as we talk about Jacob. With, na- with nature and, and nurture, we're products of that for both, I think, in, in some, some ways. And I guess what, what bothers me the most is that that when we're told that this is the way we should look or this is the way we should be. And, and that, that's so frustrating, I think, is, is, is all, all of that, you know. And, but I realized when I, and I thought about this when you were saying what you were saying uh, and, and not really seeing that time or emotions as something we celebrate. And my mind went to Ecclesiastes. You know, <laughs> the most confusing writings of all of our canon of Scripture there, there, there would be. Some scholars said that they refused to preach from it because they thought it was just ludicrous and, and it, it should never be included, you know. When, when, when you have a book that starts out by simply saying everything in life is meaningless, you know, what do you do with that kind of writing, right? You know, where do you go with that? But one powerful thing that's said here to us— as, as written by a son, right of perhaps the most uh, emotional character of Scripture, that you know he says that there's a time for everything, and and a season for every activity under the heavens or under the sun. There's a time to be born and a time to die and a time to plant and a time to to um, uproot and. And and it goes on to say, you know, there's, let me read the rest of it. And there's a time to kill and a time to heal and a time to break down and a time to build and a time to weep and a time to laugh and a time to mourn and a time to dance and a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together, time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing and a time to search and a time to count as lost and a time to keep and a time to discard. And it goes on and on and on, right? Yeah, just you think that's interesting. A time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent, and a time to speak, and a time to love, and a time to hate, and a time of war, and a time of peace. And I think about this. I think it's such a powerful text about our emotion that, that our life should include everything, basically, that we just read. That's the fullness of life. You know? And if we're going to let culture tell us how we should react as a man or a woman... If we're gonna let them tell us that, then what has gonna happen is at some point we're gonna miss something here. We're gonna we're gonna hold something in within our lives. We're gonna be dishonest about how we feel about things. At some point we're gonna be afraid because of insecurity. At some point, we're gonna be cautious about really opening up and being vulnerable because we think that, well, that's not what a man should do, or that's not what a woman should do. And 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 what what Ecclesiastes sell, tells us is that this is not, if you read the text, it's not gender-specific at all. It's not. It's about to all of us who are creations of God that emotions are part of every one of us and there is a place in our life for all of these things.
1: Yeah.
2: And to deny that is to deny part of God's creative order within us. Yeah. That we are created as powerful emotional beings and to to deny ourselves that place is, I think, to somehow in some way devalue God's creative order as humans. Not to say it leads us, but yet it is how we have been created to express ourselves.
1: It's a part of who we are. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And just like our physical body.
1: I mean, Scripture's career scripture is a physical part of who we are. Uh, so there are all these aspects of us that are genuine parts of who we are and how we are to interact with God and how we are to interact with others. Not to say that our physical body will be in heaven or anything like that, but yet it is a part of who we are now and it is a part of our becoming uh, when it comes to our sanctifying process and our sanctifying relationship with God. So I think, I think that leads me to this kind of our last question as we just kind of wrap this up because I think coming to an understanding one uh, of being emotionally mature obviously comes from spiritual growth as we see throughout scripture Um, but even to recognize, to have this maturity to recognize what time it is You know, because I think that (laughs) for me, it's a time to speak and a time to be quiet. I struggle with that one, (laughs) especially with, you can ask Cassie. I sometimes talk when I'm not supposed to, and I'm sometimes silent when I should have talked. (laughs) Um, And and so I think what comes with this maturity as we are becoming for the rest of our lives, it's how do we grow in such a way that our responses start to look a lot more like Jesus's? How do we grow in such a way to where we start to recognize this is a time for me to love, or this is a time for me to to hate. I mean, that's that's you do not see that a lot. I mean, time to hate or a time to. I don't think we're gonna kill anything, but no, a no. time to kill or anything like that. that. But um, yeah, you take it in context for sure. Yeah, but but or a time to listen and a time to speak because I think that that's something that we uh, uh, we're humans, so we all struggle with that understanding, and yet we've been given a spirit within us in order to start to discern those things and to know that. So I guess, you know, because I'm thinking about people that are listening to this. I'm thinking about, you know, even the three of us in this room, how do we grow in such a way that our response to our kids when they make us mad are different? How do we grow in a way that we respond differently when a candidate that we didn't vote for is, is elected? How do we respond to a way when, you know, someone someone gets a promotion over you? How do you get, how do you respond to that? You're growing in such a way where you respond differently or how do you respond Or how do you grow in such a way to where you respond to to death differently than someone else would? I I think that this gets down to the nitty gritty, small details of our life because we experience emotions almost, I mean, thousands of emotions every single day from the moment you wake up and you dread waking up and you're (laughs) agonizing over the fact that you got to get out of bed all the way to in the middle of your day, uh, just being bored and then being elated maybe to when you get off work and you get to go home and you know, we experience this wide range of emotions almost every single day. How do we grow in such a way to where we can utilize those emotions and cultivate them to be something that glorifies God more and brings us closer and those around us closer to God?
2: I think that <clears throat> one is that, um, we, we get this right 10% of the time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> See for yourself, I'm 5%. I was doing 10 just to make everybody feel real good emotionally
2: today. Uh, so we get this right, yeah, 4% of the time. And and I think that you know, in life, there are, as we te- we said so many times, there are tensions to be alleviated, tensions to be managed. This is definitely a tension to be managed in our that we live in a broken world, and, and we are not going to get this right all the time. Sure, there are moments, there are moments, I think, that even for an unbeliever and a non-believer, we get it right, just because of culturally prescribed, I think, um, dynamics. Say, for instance, that you, you go to a funeral service, you know, you are not gonna in the middle of you're not gonna walk up at the viewing to the family and just bust out laughing. You're not gonna do that, right? Why? Because culturally, that's not right. So you're weeping. So for believers and non-believers, we do get it right in a lot of areas, I think, in in those moments. But what about those moments when it comes to anger? What about those moments? You know, I, I think that's where it can go either way for us. And that's truly for the follower of Christ. It's where our faith comes in at those moments. You know, we're going to get it right culturally many times, yes, in the areas of our, our emotion. That's, that's going to happen. But yet, um, I think those moments where it can go either way is the struggle for us in life. Where those moments is that do, is this the moment, you know, how do we respond in, in anger at, at this moment about something we can be angry, like I said, at injustice. We can be angry at those moments, and, and that's absolutely okay. But yet, those times when we let that go beyond a certain point in our lives to where we've crossed the line, you know, we've crossed the line. I think it, what it does for me, and, and the way that personally I have done this and I relate this, I think, to to our spiritual walk with Christ. Like with my children, I have three sons, and, and my, my boys have... I have not had the I've not had the struggles that other people had their kids. And and I just say that right out. By the grace of God I have not. That doesn't mean that God shows me more grace than he shows anyone else. And I know that's what that sounds like. I, I realize that it really does. And and you know, I've had people say to me things like, You can't relate to me in my family because I'm I've had people say that to me not and recently because of, you know, your kids seem to be very successful and grounded and, and you've not had the issues that we've had with our children. And I say, yes, and that's true. And I thank God for that. I don't, you know, I can't understand all those issues in life. But I do know that the moments when my boys have been challenging for Reba and I, in those moments when I have to, you know, I reach that point where I'm going to step over the line from when my anger perhaps is productive and motivating them to something I should do or it's discipline to where it goes over the line, I immediately go back to how Christ sees me and how he responds to my mess ups in life and to realize that it's truly flavored in, in with grace and love and patience in in, in those areas. It goes back to even what we talked about in 1 Peter this past week, how does Jesus respond when he's treated unjustly, when he's being crucified that one of the things that really struck me is he responds with great patience and he continues to do good to those when they do not show good to him. And he trusts God who judges justly that God is ultimately in control of all of these things. So how do I deal with those moments and knowing when to how to respond is, and I don't try to over-spiritualize this because I think it's our tendency to do that at times and people listen to this and they go away from it thinking, something I can't do. That's not possible with me. I think in the moment that I go back to those moments of how much grace has been shown to me, how much love has been shown to me, and I always did that with my boys to say, hey, I messed up in life, and I did this, and I did that, and how did I respond again to a parent who didn't show a lot of grace toward me, and how can I do that differently right now with my boys and still get the point across that what you did was wrong, but yet there is some there's some repercussions that you're going to suffer because of that, because of the seed that you've sown in your life. So always, I take it back to that moment of how God responded to me, how, how he responded to me, mm-hmm. and I flavor it with that. When people say things or do things toward me, then my moment, as I said in our dive-in this week, I want to reach into the pool, the toolbox and pull out defensiveness. That's my first thing. I want to pull out defensiveness. No, Here's the facts, and this is what's true. And, and all of a sudden I realize, wait, stop. Stop. Because, first of all, it's probably not going to change the way they feel because their mind is already made up. So reality is that why am I doing this? Why well, I'm doing this out of anger because of what has been said. And the reality is I don't want them to really know the truth. I want to vindicate myself. And and I know this is there's just we could talk another two hours on this, but reality is that I go back to how Christ treated me and how I see him in his response, and that, that many times when he could have defended himself, what did he do? He was silent. Because his silence was so far more powerful than the words that he would have spoken in those moments. And so I think that that's how I navigate those tough moments of my life Keeping my emotions in check, but not denying my emotions. And that's not always. And I get it 4.5% of the time, right? Yeah.
1: Um, I think giving this, saying that, and recognizing that there is a space to mess up. Yeah. Um, because when we mess up, there's still grace. And I, and, you know, and I think that it goes back to what you were saying at the very beginning, which it comes back to then security having this security that when you do mess it up, it doesn't make him stop giving you grace or it doesn't, automatically mean that the rest of your life is going to be ruined or you've just messed up your kids for the rest. I, I, I remember my dad having that conversation with me. Um, you know, he said he was worried that he had just messed me up for the rest of my life because he had reacted in a negative uh-huh. way. Yeah, right. um, and it's recognizing that just because you mess up once doesn't mean that now your kid's life is ruined or that that relationship is severed for forever because you said something wrong that one time, but recognizing that there is grace. And then because of that grace being shown to you, cha- having that change uh, drastically how you react to things and respond to things in this world
2: yeah, yeah. it's and it's really it's really about grace um, Hannah said something earlier that, and and I, and I wrote this down today and, and and she said that the way David I think managed his emotions and truly I think emotions are something that we should strive to manage not deny and, and not hide but manage them mm-hmm. and uh, and the way he managed his emotions, Hannah, you said that that he meditated in God. Yeah. He he found his fulfillment in Christ or in God. He he knew who he was. He knew that God had chosen him. He knew the calling for his life. He was extremely secure in all of those things because of the time that he spent with God. I find myself most anxious in life. I find myself most irritable. And and I think that you know, even pastors get irritable, and, well, especially 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 <laughs> pastors. <laughs> that that I find myself with the highest levels of my anxiety, and I've shared this before publicly that I I deal with anxiety. I it's an issue that I deal with. I've I've prayed for those things to go away in my life, and and for me to not. But I, 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 my anxiety can can escalate to high levels quickly. And I find that it does most of the time when I have not had those moments with God, when I've not spent those times with God, when I've not refreshed my memory of the things that I've known for years about who I am in Christ and the price that He's paid for my life and, and that, that I'm secure in Him and that He's ultimate control of my life. If I'm not continually refreshing my mind and my spirit of those things, then I find myself with my emotions out of check, and then I'm going to say something that's emotionally driven, and it's not spiritually driven, and I have to go back and apologize for it. Yeah, but there's grace, right? The, the, I think of all of this, I think the, the worst, the, the perhaps the most negative thing that we could do with all of this conversation is to deny the origin of our emotions. And if, and, it, and if we go back and understand and embrace the origin of our emotions, and that is God, starting from our father Adam, then I think it changes the perspective of how we see them and when we use them and to no longer be ashamed. Yeah. You know, the redemptive process of Christ... We, we fail to remember sometimes the redemptive process in our life is all-inclusive. And when we begin to pull things out of the coverage of redemption in our lives, then, then we find ourselves chipping away at the value of the cross, and, and the reality of redemption is that Jesus came and he redeemed everything about us. Yeah. everything. He redeemed our souls, yes. Don't stop there. He has redeemed our minds. He's redeemed our hearts. If truly that our hearts are the, the this wellspring of life, the Scripture says that everything comes from in our life, then from our heart, let's say, comes our emotions, Then then He redeemed our emotions. He's redeemed those feelings that we have. And so where we get in trouble is when we begin to use them as unredeemed elements of our lives, I think, or don't see them as being redeemed by God. He's redeemed all those kinds of things. So it's okay to be angry sometimes. It's when that anger moves out of those moments of redemption within our lives where they become destructive toward an individual or, or you know, in, in a marital relationship when, you're, when you allow it to drive a conversation and your anger becomes more than passion it becomes truly uh, a tool that you use to to inflict pain upon people then then that's different i think that that's totally different in in those areas Uh, even doubt you know even doubt that that i think that uh, we we have these moments when we're almost afraid to even doubt because We're so insecure with God, we're afraid to be honest about about those moments of our lives. And so we'll hold those things inside as somehow we're hiding something from God as if he doesn't see that. Why not just come out and say, God, I'm I'm at this moment where I really don't see you working in my life. I I, I would love to feel you, but I think you're a million miles away from me. Why, Why not just come out and say what is already known to God and express how you feel? You know, when I come in with you guys in a meeting, or I come in on, on, on a on a morning, and, and it's been a tough morning, I've learned a long time ago, and I've decided my life, I'm not gonna fake it, and and, and I'm not gonna come in and it's not you know, it's not gonna always be backslapping slapping and laughing and, and just you know, me me coming in like I'm on top of the world, because if I create that kind of view of me to you, I think, then when you have a bad day, you're gonna feel like you have to emulate that at some point, not that I'm the model for you in any way, but you're gonna, and, and that's, that's the wrong image to model ourselves by. There's a time in Jesus' life when he had to steal away to the wilderness, he had to get away on his own. He got into, he was so tired at times, he pushed himself out into a boat and tried to go to another shore, and when he got there, they were waiting on him over there. Yeah. And he was tired. And, and, and those moments when he really his flesh didn't want to do those things. you know But yet he allowed scripture to be written, written so we see those moments in his life because the the, you know, the creator of our emotion, the origin of our emotion is God.
0: I think this a good great stopping point. point. Thank you all so much for joining us for this episode today and a thank you to Pastor Mark for taking the time to have this conversation with us. If you have ideas for future topics you'd like to hear or a story you'd like to share, don't forget you can shoot us an email to hannah at hopeandanderson.com or nathan at hopeandanderson.com. Love you guys and we'll see you two weeks from now.